Okay, well, if there's anybody joining us online, I just want to say hello. Um, as I say, pretty much every time we gather, we've been here at, oh, now I'm blanking. I want to say 184 Hyde Park because that's a week in city. What are we, 1282 Boylston Street um, in Fenway. Uh, and if you are watching online and you live in Boston, we would love to encourage you to come in person. We've just had a great time around the table eating together and uh, doing our Bible study. Um, so what we do every week is we're in the Word together, reading together, and then I preach out of the same chapter that we've been looking at. Um, and yeah, we would just love to see you come in person. And just again, welcome to everybody who came in tonight. We're excited to be here. Um, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Amanda. I'm the pastor here at Public Church and just excited to be here this evening together. So um, rivalry, you know, this has kind of been the theme of the, the books that we, or the chapters of the book we've been looking at uh, this week. So I've been asking people if they've ever had a rivalry. So I'll ask you guys here. I can't ask you online, but if you think of anything, that's good. But have you, would you ever say that you have personally had a rivalry with another person? Haven saying, eh, kind of. Travis is saying, eh, kind of. Anybody, yes? Oh, Evans, no, no rivalries. BJ, you have ever, no? Um, as I was considering it this week, uh, a person came to mind. But um, what really stood out to me was a clip, actually, that I'm going to play, and then I'll give you some reasoning behind why I chose this. Uh, so just take a look at this clip. Why are you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun, or exciting, you make it not that way. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. Oh, I'd like to hear the answer. Well, let me see. I would, um... I guess everything's okay. Welcome back, jerky jerk face. You said you were leaving, and you made liars out of all of us. I did so, leave. Yes, you did. And then you came back, which oh. makes you the biggest liar of history. Let's see it that way. You know you're a lie? What? I think you're great. You're my best friend. Am I good, Evan? Okay. So that's a show called The Office. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. So the the two characters that are featured there is one is Michael, and he's the boss at The Office. And then the other guy is a uh, guy named Toby, and he's the HR representative for their branch. And yeah, the first you know couple of people that I thought of when I was thinking about rivalry was these two. And it's I don't know, like seven or eight seasons of the show and the whole time there's this rivalry between Michael and Toby. 
And um, there's like scenarios, I think for myself, where I have, I can see myself as either of those characters where like I've been Michael. So Michael is the one who hates Toby and he is very obvious about his distaste for Toby as we see there. The, the last line kills me. He's like, I've got to lie. <laughs> <laughs> you are my best friend. <laughs> but really, he hates Toby. Um, so I, th I can think of somebody that, when I was a little younger, uh, that I really didn't like, and it was really obvious. And so actually, I've apologized already to this girl, but it, I, it, I was reminded of it again this week that there have been times where I've been less than kind to this person. Um, so Michael hates Toby, but then also there's times where I've been Toby, you know, where people have been obviously um, against me or hating me. And um, so, you know, whatever character we fall into, I'm sure all of us can say we've probably been both <laughs> you know, at different times in our life. Um, but it's kind of to me like, again, this, um, uh, this great example of a rivalry. So again, I guess right now, the question that I have is, do you see yourself overall more of a Michael? This is a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it, but you can if you want to. Do you see yourself more as a Michael or as a Toby? And then I guess just what you want to do with that. So the interesting thing is, and this will tie into the sermon too, which was, is pretty cool, is that Michael started hating Toby because Toby found it easy to write something in Meredith's birthday card. So Meredith is another character on the show. So Michael had been like struggling to write something nice to Meredith in her birthday card and Toby just walks up and scribbles something and it's really nice. And so that was like the beginning of Michael hating Toby. <laughs> so, um, so when I thought of this, like I really saw the tension between Saul and David, which is, you know, the, the, part of God's story that we're in, this rivalry between Saul and David. And so leading up to this, just to fill everybody in and make sure we're up to speed, um, so Saul has been anointed king, then God anoints David as the next king. So through this time, David has started gaining favor with the people, with the Israelites. And there's one line in particular that really started the rivalry between Saul and David just the way that, you know, it was between Michael and Toby. And it was that the Israelites were praising David, and it's um, about battle. And they said, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. So that's kind of the spark of this rivalry between Saul and David, because Saul's obviously jealous, because David has been getting more notoriety. There's more favor for him in comparison to Saul. So this leads to Saul wanting to kill David, and David has been living in caves in the wilderness. So we wrote, when we were reading tonight, we read about David being in a cave in a place called En Gedi. This is actually the third time in scripture that the narrative has told us that David has been living in caves. But more particularly, what really stands out is the fact that these caves are in the wilderness. So, because God, you know, has just brought the people into the promised land. He has finally divided the land up, and they're starting to live in peace there. And it doesn't take long until David is basically um, exiled into the wilderness because of what's going on. So then Saul hears about what David's up to, because people, again, are praising David for what he's doing in the wilderness. So Saul goes to En Gedi, 
We see that David has the opportunity to kill Saul, but he doesn't. And then David follows him out of the cave and confronts Saul. So that's where we're going to pick up in the scripture um, and what the verses I'll be focusing on when I preach tonight. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel 24, starting in verse 10. So it says, You can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me today in the cave. Someone advised me to kill you, but I took pity on you and said, I won't lift my hand against my Lord, since he is the Lord's anointed. Look, my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Recognize that I've committed no crime or rebellion. I haven't sinned against you, even though you are hunting me down to take my life. And then verse 12, may the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord take vengeance on you for me, but my hand will never be against you. As the old proverb says, wickedness comes from wicked people. My hand will never be against you. Who has the king of Israel come after? What are you chasing after? A dead dog, a single flea. May the Lord be judge and decide between you and me. May he take notice and plead my case and deliver me from you. So again, in a way, it's like Michael is Saul in this scenario, and Toby is David. So Saul has this hate for David that is kind of unexplainable because up until this point, David actually has never done anything against Saul. He has proven time and time again that he loves Saul, that he acknowledges that Saul is God's anointed one. He is the king. He venerates him as he would and should with a king. But Saul just has this vendetta. He has this, um, he's created this rivalry against David that doesn't need to be there, um, even though, yeah, David has done nothing. And it's interesting, in these verses, three times David says, he will not lift his hand to Saul. So when we look at the word hand, so mo um, the Old Testament was actually originally written in Hebrew, and when we look at the Hebrew word for hand, it actually means power. So what David is saying in these statements is that he has the power to get rid of Saul. He is acknowledging that God has given him the right and the ability to do whatever he needs to do to get rid of Saul. So he's acknowledging that, and he knows that he's going to be the next king. So God has already spoken this over him. He acknowledges that you know, that God has done this, but he is waiting for God in his own timing to remove the previous king in, in order for him to be able to step onto the throne and be the next king. And, it, and what's interesting about this too is that David is Saul's son-in-law. So I've already talked about this. He's proved his loyalty to Saul many times over. And what we are seeing in the scripture. Um, Travis, if you could bring up verse 14 again. Uh, go back one. So who has the king? Yeah, that, no, go forward. So who has the king of Israel come after? What are you chasing after? A dead dog, a single flea? So we could read this and just go by it and like think, oh, that's kind of weird that like <laughs> he said that. Why would he say that? 
But in their culture, referring to somebody as a dog was an insult. It was kind of like one of the lowest insults that you could speak to somebody. And so David is saying to his father-in-law, like, who is this who I am to you? Like, I'm not even a dog to you. I'm a dead dog. And so we're seeing in this the emotion that David is feeling, like how much it hurts him that Saul is doing this to him. And it's kind of like he's saying, is this all I mean to you? You know? And so what we're seeing is that Saul is so inward focused. He makes David a threat, even though there's no evidence for it. So again, if we go back to the Michael-Toby scenario, Michael has this whole like vendetta against Toby because Toby was able to write in a card a little bit easier than Michael did. And the way that that progressed in their relationship over the show and just, I mean, the anger that it developed within Michael, even though there was nothing that Toby did to have that happen. And because of this misunderstanding, I mean, for Toby in the office, I mean, he's bullied, which nobody enjoys being bullied. But for David, this is translating to his potential downfall. Like he is potentially going to die because of it. But what we see about David, which is really interesting, is that instead of um, using the power that God's given him, he defers instead to God's power. And that's what makes this whole scenario um, so different um, than what it could be. So Travis, if you want to put up verse 15 again, he said, may the Lord judge be judge and decide between you and me. May he take notice and plead my case and deliver me from you. So obviously David isn't okay with the situation. And like, you know, as we're reading it, he goes and cuts the robe and he could kill Saul, but he doesn't. But even in doing that, he's not saying he's okay with what's happening. I mean, we read Psalm 54 together as well, which was a prayer, and it said, like, God, take vengeance on my enemies. Like, I have so many people trying to kill me. So David is obviously not okay with the way things are, but he understands that God can deliver him. And I think that is kind of the linchpin in this whole scenario and something that we can put ourselves into this story and say, okay, there's been situations where we could within our power do something about it but if we defer to God's power if we let God be the one to do something that it is going to be so much better in the long run and again like this word that he used he said and deliver me from you he's expecting God to deliver him from Saul and what that shows is that David is in the right. And I think often when we have rivalries or we're looking for some kind of vengeance, we're ultimately saying that we want to be seen as the person in the right, you know, like in a situation. Um, whether it's like an argument with a spouse or a friend or whatever, often revenge is fueled by this need to be seen and acknowledged and so David is saying, I want that. I want to be seen and acknowledged. I want to be able to walk away from this situation without being killed. But he, again, is deferring to God and letting him do something about it. So that's an Old Testament story. It is real. It actually happened. 
Um, but often as Christians, we read a lot from the New Testament and we um, actually look at the Old Testament through the lens or we visualize it through what we know about Jesus in the New Testament. So I'm going to bring up Romans 12 and we'll see kind of what it means for us in the New Testament, which means like the new covenant that is in Christ. So this is the Apostle Paul, and he's saying, Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath, because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil. Travis, can you keep going forward, please? Keep going. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. So I think we can all say, like we kind of talked in the beginning, like, oh, I kind of have a rivalry. But I think we can all say that we've been in situations where we want to take revenge on somebody. Yeah, yeah. Revenge. Have you ever wanted revenge? Yeah. Evan, Travis, revenge. You ever want? No? Okay. So Evan's the super good one in our family, I guess. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of life to live. So we'll see if the, you know, is the case as he gets older. But I think we can all say we found ourselves in situations that we wanted to take revenge on somebody. Um, and whether we did this in the past or not, I want to encourage us and think of the question, are we willing to defer to God's power? So the next time we're in a confrontation, you know, we want to be the right one. We want to be vindicated. We, um, you know, again, kind of like our natural uh, response is to be inward focused and ask ourselves, how does this affect me? You know, what am I going to see out of this? But are we willing to surrender that situation to God and defer to his power? And then I think even like the next step, which is um, probably the harder one, is are we willing to conquer evil with good? So again, we go back to that Romans passage and it says, um, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will keep fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. So, you know, we read the story. We talked about it um, around the table tonight that it's, it was a pretty big deal that David didn't kill Saul when he had the opportunity, right? Like he was right there. But what the Romans passage is saying, and for us as Christians in the new covenant we're not supposed to kill people. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. But scripture's actually telling us, well, do good to these people. Do good to our enemy. If they're hungry, feed them. Like, take care of them. Which is so, like, I think hard for us um, to grasp sometimes. Like, somebody is opposing me or hurting me, but I'm supposed to do good to them? That's very uh, countercultural, you know, for the time that we live in. And we even see, you know, the clip at the very end where Toby or Michael says to Toby, like, I thought you were gone, and then you came back. So it's, it's, it's interesting that Toby leaves, Michael is happy, but Toby comes back, and there's this thing, like, David is going to come back into Saul's life. Like, he is going to become king. 
And there's actually examples like in the earlier chapters where um, like Saul did actually try to kill David several times, um, which, you know, pushed him out, pushed him out into the wilderness. But just like Toby came back into Michael's life, you know, David's going to come back into, into Saul's life. And for us, you know, if we have somebody, you know, we don't have the power necessarily to remove them from our lives. So what does that mean when they keep coming back into our lives? So I think right now, um, if, if we are actively, like, seeing ourselves in the Michael role of this or the Saul um, you know, maybe we have a vendetta against somebody, uh, you know, again, we're maybe not trying to kill them, but maybe we're not conquering evil with good. I just think this is an opportunity for us to acknowledge that and say, within my own power, within my own strength, like, I'm going to want to continue uh, to seek vengeance. But if we defer to God's power, that's like an act of, like, repentance. It's, it's turning away from maybe our natural inclination to do something, again, the way that we want to, but instead say, well, God, I'm going to defer this to you. I'm going to step aside and let you be the one to figure the situation out. So maybe that's where you might be tonight. And then maybe you're the Toby, the David figure. And Again, like that's such a a vulnerable place to be emotionally. And we see it in the Psalms. David's continually crying out to God, asking for vengeance. Um, And I think that is an opportunity like David for us to show our, our people love in such a profound way that says, like, I could, but I won't. Um, And you know what? We need the same grace that we need to repent (laughs) to be able to live in that as well. So I think tonight um, and any day, it's just an opportunity for us to acknowledge that we need the grace of God in our lives to live differently, to to be countercultural, to do the right thing, to feed our enemies, to take care of them. Um, Yeah. So when we're facing enemies and hardships, what we also see is that we have the opportunity to expedite results. Right? So again, if we look at David, he knows he's going to be king. He has this opportunity in the cave. Saul's right there. Like he could kill him and take the throne like the same day. But what, he is see- what we see in him is that um, he is deferring to God and allowing God to be the one. It may take longer. I mean, <laughs> even for us, I think we have felt like when we're trying to get our permits with public coffee, you know, we have kind of felt like we're fighting against the city. Now, the city has not done anything wrong, but it just hasn't been a smooth process. And I know that if we were willing to compromise, we probably could have expedited the process. But we wanted to do the right thing, and it's taken us so much longer to get to where we are now, but we also get to celebrate all the things that God has done to sustain us and keep us here while we've been waiting um, to open public coffee. And I think that when we try to expedite the process, when we, again, have the opportunity metaphorically to kill someone to get what we ultimately know that we deserve, I think we're just setting ourselves up for less than what God has for us. And so um, life isn't easy. 
um, we see through scripture, God is going to take away all of our hardship. And as David has prayed and, and we see, as we continue to read the story between Saul and David, we will see that David does take the crown. He is king. So he will, he is repaid for all of the hardship he has faced. And I believe that God will also repay us for all of the hardship that we faced. But I think if we, again, defer to God's power that we say, I'm willing to let God be the one um, to vindicate me, to, to get me out of this situation, whether it's with a person or just a hard circumstance, I think it also gives an opportunity for friends that we have that don't yet know Jesus or the world that we're living in to see that we're a people that instead of conquering evil with evil, that we're a people that will conquer evil with good. And I think we are here in our neighborhood to add value and to help people to, you know, we want every person to be seen and known. And, but at the same time, they have to want to know us. They have to want to be seen by us. And I think if we're a people that are known by conquering evil with good, um, more people will be interested in who we are and, and what we have to offer this world, which is ultimately Jesus. Um, so let's not be a people that would, you know, take the opportunity to kill, you know, in the, and it would have been in the cave. It would have been in the dark. It would have been um, the, the best, you know, way to do it covertly. Um, but let's be people that are in the light, that are doing the right thing in the light, and I believe people will notice. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then Evan and Evan will come up and close us with a couple songs. Um, God, I just want to confess how hard it can be to wait. And when I think of the story of Saul and David, um, my circumstances, they're, they're nothing compared to what David was facing. He was facing death. Um, yet he did the right thing. He conquered evil with good. Um, that day, and I'm sure he was giving many opportunities before that and after it to do the same. And uh, I'm here saying, and and I hope others are also saying that they want to be in a place where they can consider the other person as more important than themselves, to have that humility, even though they are an enemy. That's really hard, and as I was saying, we need your grace. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to live differently. And so we are just acknowledging that tonight and asking Holy Spirit that you would help us, that you would be our helper in, in times of trouble. We want to defer to you, God, and your power We don't want to shortchange ourselves and what you want to do in our lives. And again, the witness that that allows us to be in our community to help people understand that they, they can live a different way. God, I just want to lift up anybody who is hurting 
today that maybe sees themselves as the Toby or the David in this situation that there's just oppression and pressure and they, they need you to rescue them, whatever their situation. Um, God, we ask that you would rescue them and show them that you're present. You're an ever-present help in times of trouble, your word tells us. And, um, yeah. And then, of course, as your church, God, how can we love those well that are suffering? Jesus, we thank you that you've made the way for us to have relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit and um, just pray, yeah, that we would live in that. God, that you wouldn't be just somewhere on the side that we, that we bring in when we need, but God, that we would live our lives in you that we would find new life in you, that we would be able to overcome evil with good because of you. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
ask. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God. <laughs> My head is <laughs> Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting it their not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 